So we know that people who are alive need atonement for various things that they have, may have done. And that is why Hashem gave us the day of Yom Kippur to atone for anything that we may have done. It's a way to clean our slate, to ask for forgiveness and to clean any, um, any harm that we may have caused spiritually between us and God to our own souls. We ask God for forgiveness. But our sages say that just as the living people need atonement, in the same way the dead need atonement as well. In fact, Ramosha Israelis, one of the greatest um, Jewish scholars um, who lived in um, Poland in the 16th century, writes that the term Yom Kippurim, so Yom Kippur is the name that we call it, but in the Torah, the, the, holiday, the date is always called not Yom Kippur, but Yom Kippurim, which means Day of Atonements in plural. Why is it atonements in plural? Because it is atonement for both the living as well as atonement for the dead. The Torah tells us in, um, in Parshat Shoftim, it says, Kaper la'amcha Yisrael, atone for your nation Israel, asher padita, that you have redeemed. And the Midrash says, atone for your nation Israel refers to those who are alive. When it continues and says that you have redeemed, it refers to those who have already deceased. And so therefore it is one should, those who are alive should seek atonement not only for themselves, but also for those who have already deceased, who have already passed on. And we actually find in Jewish history that a great, many of our great leaders prayed for the deceased. Um, the Moshe at the very end of his life prays for Yehuda, prays for the um, father of the tribe of Judah, um, one of Jacob's sons, Yehuda. Our sages say that when Jacob had originally, when uh, Jacob wanted his sons to go down to Egypt, uh, when there was a famine to get grain, he didn't know that Joseph was the leader, and um, they said, we cannot go unless you send our brother Benjamin, because the leader told us that we cannot come without our brother, and Jacob refused to send him. So Yehuda said to Jacob, I will guarantee him to, to bring him back, and if I fail to guarantee him, I will give up my portion in the world to come, in Gan Eden, in the Garden of Eden. And so, which is where souls go after we die, subject for another class, we once spoke about the Jewish belief in what happens afterlife. So um, Yehuda, when he came to the next world, he did bring back Benjamin, but when he came to the next world, they said that the um, curse of a holy person, even if it is Altsnai, even if it is with a condition and the condition is not fulfilled, the curse, the words that you uttered are still going to be fulfilled, and therefore we cannot let you into the um, next world. We cannot let you into the Garden of Eden. And so, therefore, the Talmud says, Moshe Rabbeinu prayed for Yehuda that Yehuda should get to go into the next world, and his prayers were accepted. We also find King David um, faced a rebellion by his son Afshalom. Afshalom led a rebellion against his own father. Um, later, in a battle between David's men and Afshalom's men, Afshalom was killed, and David prayed for his son to be allowed to continue on in the next world. He was a wicked man, he had caused much harm, and he prayed for his son as well. So we therefore find that we can pray um, on behalf of those who have departed, asking God to help their souls. 
Furthermore, we also pray to Hashem to invoke the merit of those who have departed, that their merit should stand by us. If they have done good things, if they have done positive things for which they have great merit, for which they deserve um, to be rewarded, that should then continue on for us, for their family. And indeed we find that Moshe Rabbeinu prays to Hashem for the people when Hashem wants to destroy the people and invokes the merit of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we do that, of course, regularly throughout our prayers, invoke the merit of our ancestors. So we can invoke the merit of those who are deceased, uh, who have great merit, and ask God in their honor, in the honor of their good deeds, God should, um, God should give us merit, God should reward us. And so for those reasons, both because the deceased need atonement for the bad they may have done, and because we want to be credited for the good that they did, we therefore have a custom at various times to mention our deceased loved ones um, in what we call yisker, in various memorial prayers, asking God to remember the, our loved ones, both to bring atonement for anything that they need help with, their souls need help with in the next world, as well as for their merits to um, impact us as well. Yes, Debbie. So those that don't get to go to the next world, are they in the state of limbo? Or where yes, are they? they are in the state of limbo until they go into the next world. Yes. Yes. And we did a class some time back about um, the Jewish belief in the afterlife, and we spoke in detail about what happens. I believe it's on the podcast. So the current memorial prayers that we Jews have are thought to have been written about a thousand years ago, either in the late Gaonic period or early Rishonim period. Um, so um, either, uh, either about a thousand years ago, give or take. So we have three common memorial prayers um, currently that, we, that are commonly used. The first memorial prayer that we use is known as the, by the opening words, Kel Male Rachamim, God full of mercy. And of course, we mispronounce the name of God since we're forbidden to say the name of God unless we're actually praying. So when we're just referring to the name, we use the word Kel. So Kel Male Rachamim, and sometimes it's referred to as Azkara or memorial prayer. Um, the custom is to recite this prayer essentially asking God to help the soul of the, the departed find rest under the wings of the divine presence. So this is usually recited by a cantor, by a chazan, or by the rabbi on behalf of the departed. It's not recited by the relatives, but it's rather recited by a cantor or a leader. This um, prayer, this memorial prayer, um, asking God to... Um, take the soul of the departed under his wings, so to speak, um, and to remember them, is firstly set at funerals. It's also usually set at memorial services for our loved ones, um, whether it's a shloshim, a memorial service marking the 30 days um, mark after the burial, or um, the unveiling when we unveil it, when we uh, put, erect the tombstone, or we, or we say it yearly on the yard site. Um, the prayer is usually either said at the cemetery, at a funeral or unveiling, or it's said in the shul, in the synagogue, in front of the Torah. Now the Torah, it's only said in front of the Torah on the days that we take out the Torah. We take out the Torah to read it on, Mon to read the Torah on Monday, Thursday, and Shabbat. So this prayer would be said in shul, <laughs> in front of the Torahs, on Monday and Thursday, 
Now, there are varying customs as to whether the prayer shall be, should be said on Shabbat or not. Um, some say it in the morning, Shabbat morning, by in front of the Torah. Others only say it in the afternoon. Shabbat, we read the Torah twice, once in the morning and once in the, during the afternoon prayers. So some say it in the afternoon, by the afternoon Torah reading. And some won't say it on Shabbat at all, only say it on Monday and Thursday. And the reason why many communities don't say it on Shabbat at all is to avoid, since it's a memorial prayer, and therefore it invokes the loss of our loved ones, and we don't want to be sad on Shabbat, therefore, um, therefore they don't say it at all on Shabbat. So the term, the words kel malei rachamim is the opening words actually for the Ashkenazic version of this prayer. The Sephardim have a slightly different version of the same prayer that starts with the words menucha nechona. So it is often referred to as not kel malei rachamim, it is referred to as menucha because that's the opening word. Uh, but it's also more often called hashkava um, or um, Azkara, um, a um, hashkava means a um, burial prayer, or askara, a memorial prayer. So that is one memorial prayer that we do. The second memorial prayer that we have is the prayer of Av Harachamim. Av Harachamim it was, is a prayer that was written after the First Crusade in 1096. Um, I think we recently did a class where we spoke about the um, Crusades um, and their impact on um, uh, and their impact on um, the Jewish communities in Germany and in other places. So um, this was written. They, they destroyed many, many Jewish communities and killed tens of thousands of Jews um, during the were killed during the Crusades. And so this was written, one of the most horrific events that happened in our history. So this was written after the first crusade in 1096. And it's a prayer that does not ask God to remember a specific individual, but asks God to remember all Jewish martyrs in history. All Jews who were killed because they were Jewish over the many generations. It also asks God to avenge their murder. Um, and so we have a custom to recite this Av Harachamim prayer. Everybody, every individual recites it. We recite it every Shabbat after the Torah reading in the synagogue. Um, and we also recite it on Yom Kippur um, uh, before the, after the Torah reading, as well as on the final day of um, the festivals we recited as well, this of Harachabim prayer. The third prayer, in addition to the Kalmalei Rachamim and the Av Harachim, the third memorial prayer that we have in Judaism, which is the one we're going to focus on today, is known as the Yisker prayer. Yisker because it starts with the word Yisker, which means he shall remember. It starts with the words Yisker Elohim, God shall remember. And we ask God to remember our deceased parents, relatives, and then we pledge charity in their merit. So this prayer is recited by anyone who has lost at least one parent, who at least one parent is deceased, recites this Yisker prayer. It is primarily said for parents, 
but it can also be said for any relative who doesn't have other children saying yisker for them. So it could be said for a spouse, for uncles, for grandparents, for children, anyone who doesn't have, or other family or relatives or friends, anyone who does not have someone else saying yisker, you can say it for them. But it is primarily said for parents. Somebody who has two parents does not say the yisker prayer at all, even for other relatives, but ask someone who has already lost a parent and is saying the Yisker prayer for their parent to say for anyone else, perhaps, who is deceased um, that um, maybe doesn't have children to say the Yisker prayer for them. But it's, so it's primarily said by children for their parents. Now, why do children say the prayer for their parents? Our sages say, Bra mezake abba, a child brings merit to their parents. Why is that? And because once a person dies, they can no longer do good anymore. They can no longer follow God's commandments. They can no longer do mitzvahs. However, a person's child is their continuation. They are literally a cell of their parents that grew to become their own independent person. But they are part of their parents. And that is why the Talmud says a person can be jealous of anyone except for their own children. You're never jealous of your children because if your children succeed, the parent takes credit for the child's success. It's my child who succeeded. In other words, the parent sees their child as their continuation and as a part of them, which is true. Every child is a continuation of their parent. And therefore, children can bring merit to their parents. Children can have the greatest power to remember, to bring honor, to bring atonement to bring forgiveness for their parents um, and to invoke their parents' merit. And therefore, primarily, Yisker is said by children for their parents. But again, you can also, once you're saying it for a parent, you can also say it for any other deceased relative who does not have someone or, or friend who does not have someone saying Yisker for them. So um, <coughs> it can be said for all the relatives together, in other words, some have a custom where they say the, there's a separate yisker for men and for women, because in Hebrew, the um, wording used for men is a masculine form, in, for women is in feminine form, the different forms of Hebrew, and so therefore we do separate for men and for women, but if you are saying multiple, you can either include them all in the single yisker prayer, some people do that, or what you can do is you can first um, uh, or what you can do is you can first say the um, you can first say the um, yes, you, you can first say the Yisker prayer separately for each individual um, for each individual who you're saying uh, Yisker for. So you could do either. Now, when we mention the names of our parents or deceased relatives, we always mention their Hebrew name. The Ashkenazic custom is to mention their Hebrew name and their father's Hebrew name. If you don't know their Hebrew name, just use their given names. But ideally, if you know their Hebrew name, you should mention their Hebrew name and their father's Hebrew name. The Sephardic custom, based on the teachings of Kabbalah and the Hasidic custom, is to mention the, their Hebrew name and their mother's Hebrew name. So we do the Hebrew name and the mother's Hebrew name. Now, 
Originally, the Yisker prayer was recited, probably our current Yisker prayer probably goes back about a thousand years, although we don't know exactly when it started. Um, but it probably goes back about a thousand years. It probably started in Germany about a thousand years ago. Originally, the Yisker prayer was recited on Yom Kippur after the Torah reading. So after the Torah reading, the Torahs are um, still being held, but they're, they're closed and they're already be, they've already been read. That is when the Yisker prayer is recited. In the last few hundred years in Eastern Europe, a custom developed to also recite the Yisker prayer on Shemini Atzeret, the eighth day of Sukkot, as well as on the eighth day of Passover, as well as on the second day of Shavuot. So three on each of the three festivals. Why do we say it on those three days? And this is again, only Eastern European Jews do this. Um, Western European Jews and Sephardic Jews do not um, say it on these dates. Only, they only do it on Yom Kippur. Um, the reason given is that on each of these days, we read the Torah reading about the holidays from the Parshat Re'eh in the book of Deuteronomy. And in that Torah reading, in addition to mentioning the various festivals of Passover, Shavuot, and Sukkot, it also mentions the mitzvah of tzedakah, of giving charity. And since Yisker mentions also giving charity, therefore it became a custom on these three days that we read that reading about giving charity, that we also read, we also recite the Yisker prayer to make a tzedakah pledge. Any questions? Yes, yes, you could do it for friends as well. Yes. You could, you can do Yisker at home. Ideally, it should be done in shul in front of a Torah, but you definitely can say it at home. You can say it at home. So the, it, part of the Yisker prayer, we ask God to remember our loved ones. Um, and we also pledge to give charity in their honor. And the pledge to charity, to tzedakah, is central to the Yisker prayer. Our sages say when someone dies, they can no longer do a mitzvah. They can no longer follow God's commandments. As a result, their soul can no longer grow. Every time we do a mitzvah, our soul grows. Their soul, when someone has passed, can no longer do mitzvahs. Their soul can no longer grow. But when we do mitzvah on behalf of someone who is deceased, when we do a mitzvah on their behalf, that helps their soul grow. That helps bring atonement for their soul. The greatest mitzvah we can do for someone who is deceased is to give charity, to give tzedakah on their behalf. And that is based on the verse that we mentioned earlier. We said that it says, Kaper la'amcha Yisrael asher padita, atone for your nation Israel that you have redeemed. And our sages say, atone for your nation Israel refers to those who are alive, that you have redeemed refers to those who have already died. How do we atone for those who have already died? By redeeming them, or essentially redeeming them, or paying for them with charity. So we make a pledge for charity, and that is how we bring atonement, we bring peace to their soul, by pledging to charity in their honor. So that is central to the Yisker prayer, we make a pledge for charity. Now when we make this pledge, um, we add the words, we say we are going to give charity, but we always add the words, Beli neder, without a vow. That is because the Torah commands us to keep every vow that we make. 
Anytime we say, and a vow is really any commitment. A couple months ago, we did a class about vows. Any commitment a person makes, you have to keep your commitments, which is why we have the Kol Nidre at the beginning of Yom Kippur, asking God or asking the community to annul any commitments that we made and were unable to keep. But without asking for specific annulment, any commitment you make must be kept. What happens if a person forgets to give charity or circumstances change and they're no longer able to give the amount that they pledge? So because of that, whenever we pledge, we always say we pledge beli nether, without a vow. You should still give the pledge. If you don't give the charity pledge, then the yisker doesn't count. You didn't give your pledge. So you still have to give the pledge for the yisker to count, but you don't want to be caught in a vow that you will transgress not fulfilling. So therefore, we always add the words beli neder without a vow. Of course, you can give the tzedakah, the charity, before Yom Kippur, and many do that. They donate the charity before Yom Kippur. If you've given charity before Yom Kippur, you don't have that problem. And then rather saying, I'm going to give charity, you say, I gave charity um, in their honor. So it's customary that those who recite Yisker light a candle before the holiday begins for the deceased people that they are saying Yisker for. We mentioned this earlier. Um, the reason why we light a candle is because it says in Proverbs, Ner Hashem Nishmat Adam. The candle of God is the soul of people. So our souls are compared to the flame of a candle, um, just as a flame burns on a candle, so too our soul is found in a body, so it's compared to the flame of the candle. And therefore, whenever we want to memorialize the dead, we always have a custom to light candles. We light candles for a yard site. We light candles for the anniversary of the deceased, uh, of the death. We light candles usually the first year after death. We light candles throughout the year, and we light candle, we light a Yisker candle at the beginning of Yom Kippur. Those who are going to recite Yisker, write, light a Yisker candle. People often ask what blessing uh, should be said before you light the candle. There is no blessing, there is no statement, it is simply a candle, light the candle. We should though light the candle before lighting our regular holiday candles. We light regular candles for the holiday, just as we do every Shabbat and holiday. Once you light the candles for the holiday, you are forbidden from lighting fires, which is one of the prohibitions on Yom Kippur. So you should light the Yisker candle first, and then you can light the holiday candle. We mentioned earlier, in addition to the Yisker candle for those that are reciting Yisker, everyone, those reciting Yisker and those not reciting Yisker, should also light a living candle, a candle for those who are alive. Um, now, the candle is usually lit in shul in the synagogue, so that it brings light to those who are praying, to those who are in shul on Yom Kippur. So we usually light the Yisker candle in the synagogue, but you also have the option, if you're not going to be in the synagogue before Yom Kippur, you have or don't have where to light it, you have the option of lighting the candle at home as well. We will have a space here to light the candle if people need, um, want to light the candles here, or you can light it at home. Um, for the other festivals where the Eastern European custom is to say Yisker as well, on Shmini Atzeret, the eighth day of Passover and the second day of Shavuot, there are varying customs if you should light candles. Some do light candles for those holidays, some don't like light candles, but Yisker, we all, for Yom Kippur, sorry, we all light candles. Yes? One Yisker candle for everyone is just fine. You don't need to light a separate Yisker candle. 
one Yisker candle for the, everyone that you're reciting Yisker for. I'd go to my friend's grandmother's house and she'd have like 20 Yisker candles. You just need one candle. So the custom is So I like to light it at home because through the light you're communicating with those that have passed. So then you have like twenty as long as the candle You can light it at home. Again, the custom is to try to light it in shul, but not everyone's able to light it in shul. You definitely can light it at home. Yes. Well, we'll soon talk about how to communicate with them. The custom is that when Yisker is recited in Shul, all those who still have two parents alive, whom both their parents are alive, leave the synagogue until after the Yisker prayer. So only those who are reciting the Yisker for at least one parent remain in the synagogue. All those whose parents are still alive leave the synagogue until after the prayer. A number of reasons are given for this, for this custom, that all those whose parents, who have both parents still alive leave the synagogue. Some say it's to avoid jealousy, what we call often the evil eye. Those who are mourning their loved ones should not be jealous. See other people just standing there because they, their parents are still alive. So we want to avoid that jealousy. Another explanation given is because words have power. When people recite Yisker for their parents, asking God to remember our parents and our loved ones, and everyone in the synagogue is asking God to remember their parents, words have power, and therefore we're afraid that those words can harm the parents of those who are in the room that might still be alive. So therefore, somebody who has two parents walks out of the room. A third reason given is that generally, if everyone's saying a prayer, you should join in. You shouldn't be standing there while other people are praying. You should be part of the communal prayer. So, but the people whose parents are still alive don't need to recite the Yisker. So if they're there, then they'll be just standing while everyone else is praying. So in order not to avoid, uh, in order to avoid not saying the prayer while everyone else is praying, they walk out. So for all those reasons, it is a custom that all the people whose parents are still alive, who have both parents still alive, walk out of the synagogue while the Yisker is recited, um, and only those who have lost one parent recite Yisker. Um, the custom is that, and this varying custom, but gen the generally accepted custom is that during the first year after one loses one's parents, not to recite Yisker for them. The reason for that is that um, there is a process when someone dies for them to move on to the next world. That process takes up to a year, which is why we recite the Kaddish for 11 months. It takes up to a year. We don't want to disturb that process of them moving on to the next world. Therefore, we do not recite the Yisker for, uh, for our parents during that year. However, during the year, first year after they die, however, we can still, while we don't recite the Yisker for them, um, we can still say the person whose parents had died can still remain in the synagogue, should not walk out since their parents are no longer alive. Yes, Annette.
No, you stay in. If you're praying for your own parent, you stay in. Even if you have another parent alive, as soon as you've lost one parent, you stay. Yes. Um, do we know, does Judy, what do they believe the next world is like? That we spoke about in a different class. I missed it. It's on the podcast. You can still listen to it. Yisker is a very, very powerful time. It's really a chance for us to remember our parents, to invoke their names before God. We believe that when we do, when we mention the Yisker prayer, our parents and our relatives come into the synagogue, come into the room from wherever they are um, in the next world, um, in another reality, and our parents are there with us when we are remembering them at that time, which is why it's such an emotional moment and such a powerful time, because we believe that our parents and deceased relatives that we mention come down and are found there in the room with us, come here, to come into the shul to listen to us. The Rebbe pointed out that there are many Jews who do not go to shul all year because, for whatever reason, they have um, lost a lot of their Jewish traditions and customs and um, somewhat assimilated into culture out away from Judaism and, for whatever reason, do not come to shul an entire year, and yet they come to shul just to recite the Yisker on Yom Kippur. Now, why? Why do people do that? Why do people who don't come to shul an entire year, they don't come to shul, they just come to recite the Yisker on Yom Kippur? Maybe their parents, before they died, they died, asked them to do that. Some did. But many come anyway. They never came to shul until their parents died. And then once their parents die, they feel the need to come to shul for... Um, they feel the need to come to Shul to recite the Yisker on Yom Kippur. So the Rebbe explained that the reason why people are coming to Shul is because their deceased parents who are in the world of truth and see God want to be mentioned for the Yisker prayer. And therefore they influence their children and inspire their children. Maybe the children don't realize, but the parents' souls are working to inspire their children to come to Yisker for on Yom Kippur to come and mention them. And that is what the, why the Rebbe explains so many Jews who maybe don't even know themselves why they're coming for Yisker. But that is what is pushing them to come. It is the souls of their parents that is inspiring them and pushing them to come to Shul for Yisker. And as souls, they want to make sure that they can connect, their children connect to them in that way. And this then hopefully inspires their children, not just to come once a year on Yom Kippur for Yisker, but to come more, to follow more of God's commandments. And so that inspiration is very powerful, evidenced by how crowded the synagogues get for the Yisker prayer, where many Jews that do don't follow most other commandments and don't come to shul any other day a year, come just for the Yisker prayer on Yom Kippur um, with perhaps their parents' inspiration, their parents inspiring them. But we should make an effort. We should also actively encourage any Jew that we know, invite them to come recite the Yisker prayer for their parents on Yom Kippur. We will be reciting the Yisker prayer here at our service at 9 a.m., um, outside um, this coming Wednesday. I encourage you all to come yourselves. Um, if your parents are 
well, at least one of your parents are no longer alive, she come regardless for the service, but we're gonna do Yisker during that service. And uh, also to invite friends, relatives, and everybody else, um, invite especially relatives, tell them siblings, cousins, tell them to come and recite the Yisker prayer for their relatives as well. Chances are that if you invite them, they will come. So invite them, reach out to them, and tell them to come and join us for the Yisker this coming Wednesday.